Yes, game based on the Beach Boys mascot that I only know from being in this game. That's the Beach Boys mascot? That's what it says on the back of his shirt. This was like the worst period of the Beach Boys, too. Mm -hmm. Is this like post-Kokomo? Yes, this is like when they were on Baywatch. They had uh, John, what's his name, drumming for them? Uh, John Mayer? No. uh, (laughs) I'll look it up. John Kerry. <laughs> yes, they had John Kerry. Uh, the end. Sorry, I'm just looking for the... John Stamos. John Stamos. There you go. He was like, oh, wow. he actually uh, was an occasional drummer for them because he oh. was friends with Mike Love. Oh, yeah, that, that came up on Full House a lot. he just have the Beach Boys show And up. if you know anything about music, you know that Mike Love is probably the most hated man in music. I guess I don't know. Uh, thereabouts. Yeah. He's a real jerk. He was a big fan of Ronald Reagan. Cool. Maybe he's just really into Ronald Reagan's movies. A big bedtime for Bonzo fan. Hoy hoy, I'm the boy, packing 80 pounds of heavenly joy. This is Insert Credit, the only video game podcast with 250 episodes this week. This is the part of the intro where our editor sounds a buzzer noise. I'm Alex Jaffe, and I ask the questions here. Uh, I'm Frank Cifaldi, and I avoid most of the questions here. I'm Brandon Sheffield, and I try to answer the questions here, I guess, um, and then I get annoyed at things, but I try not to. I guess, it's, is that is that right? Does that make sense? That That's right. <laughs> okay. Joining us this week, filling in for Tim Rogers, friend of the show and regular old-time pal, Liz Ryerson is here. Hello, I'm Liz Ryerson, and I'm being paid uh, a guest rate and to laugh and, uh, you know, pretend that I really enjoy the question. So I'm ready to, to put on my acting face right now. And... Uh, that's what the people tune in for. We're very excited for it. <laughs> I'm not actually being paid for this, by the way. I just want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> just to make that perfectly clear. Mm-hmm. All right. So we are at a quarter of a thousand episodes this week. If you had a free day at the world's most complete video arcade, how would you spend a thousand quarters? So a a quarter a day? day? I'm sorry. You have a day without any responsibilities at the world's most complete video arcade. And you have have a thousand quarters to spend. Okay, okay, okay. This is this is actually similar to going to the California Extreme Arcade Expo, which Frank and I just did. Yeah, and I've been to several times. Except it's the world's most complete, which means probably what I'm going to do is I'm going to play all of those specific to arcade games that you can't really play elsewhere. So I'm going to play like mm-hmm. I'm going to play Too Spicy, the the Sega light gun game. I'm going to play Emergency Call Ambulance or whatever it's called. I'm going to play uh, prop cycle yeah I'm, I'm basically gonna play a lot of weird experiment type video games that's what i'm gonna do i think i'm gonna have a really good time i'm gonna go for the big like like experiential ones that take up an entire room oh yeah i cannot name a single one of those there's an elevator action one i think right isn't there isn't there an elevator action giant thing where it actually like elevates you i uh, not that oh. i'm aware of there's one where it opens and closes elevator doors in front of you but i don't know about oh maybe that's all i'm thinking of well so stuff like that i'm just gonna you know tour all of the giant things that are clearly here there was that um what was it daytona or something 
where it was, I guess, set up for a trade show at some point, and then some rich guy had it in his house, and then someone bought the house, and it was in there, and it's front part of a car, but it's attached to gyros and stuff, and you can you're driving Daytona USA in a real car with gyros moving around and stuff, and it takes up an entire room. I'd play that. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, that sounds fun. I think it's the same for me. I mean, I think that's an easy answer to the question because there's so much on MAME and it's so easy to find mm-hmm. or much easier comparatively to find arcade cabinets of like older arcade games, even stuff like, you know, you know, Marble Madness 2 has been dumped at this point. So uh, I guess if I added like a thousand quarters, I would have <laughs> fulfill my like personal childhood goal to beat Revolution X because we had it at the <laughs> pizza place that I was at growing up. I've never played that game since then, so uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's actually entirely likely that I might, on my way to a too spicy machine, accidentally see Metal Slug and just play, play through Metal Slug and like waste part of my day playing something that I've played fifty times and could play at home. But that's kind of I feel like that's at least at the very least it's an authentic arcade experience where you're just walking around. It's like, oh man, it's Kadash. I like Kadash. Maybe I'll just play that. I don't know. Maybe that's not what happens to everybody, but it it's it def- like uh, at that what's it called bar eighty four bar eighty two I can't remember in Los Angeles they've it's a pretty good barcade maybe close to the best arcade barcade that I've been to they they cycle new games in and stuff but for the for like a straight year you walk in and turn turn to the left and they have Golden Axe Revenge of Death Adder and you just never see that game anywhere and so. Every time I feel compelled to play it and I just can't, even though there's new stuff, it's like, ah, I better play this while I can. Um, So I feel like that would happen to me in this scenario as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like I just went to uh, the weekend or so ago to like a retro game con uh, in Long Island, Long Island retro game. And they had a bunch of like stuff set up, you know, like they had a whole arcade section. Um, I mean, they had arcade machines, but they had computers set up and like, I started playing some of the old computer games. Like, I was playing Phantasmagoria, which is a game that I own but have not played. So I feel like if I went into an environment mm-hmm. like that, it, I, it might encourage me to, like, just when I walk by something, like, play something that I've, you know, own or, like, been intending to play but just never played because, you know, there's too much stuff out there. So yeah. I feel like that is more likely to happen for me than for me to like have like a mental inventory of all the like novelty kind of games but i mean that is obviously a good use of the time i wish i had more than a day uh liz i think it's worth discussing how interesting that show is in the sense that it is a retro video game show inside of an air and air and space museum <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was pretty interesting the theater was like an imax theater or something like and it's like i spoke in that theater weirdly slanted yeah yeah. (laughs) it was very strange it was bizarre a very cool venue for an event like that i yeah i agree i I saw i think jeremy Parrish saying this is the only retro game con where you can play street fighter in guile's stage because there's like a carrier <laughs> jet next to the nice. machine or something. Pretty good. Yeah. So playing Phantasmagoria in the midst of uh, the museum was a very nice experience. And it made me actually want to play the game now. What I do a lot in arcades is uh, just press my face up against the monitors to see 
what they're actually supposed to look like on their vintage hardware. I don't know. I'm still fascinated by how we can't make them look right yet. All right. Here's our next topic. Let's talk about Gamescom. Is it the new E3? How do we feel about this? I have no feelings whatsoever about Gamescom. I did not follow it. So, yeah. Gamescom has been around for a while. It's definitely, it has been Europe's E3 for quite some time, though there are some others that are trying to sneak in there like um on games arena and uh and the reboot festival which is that one's in croatia and the uh Poznan one is in poland obviously but gamescom has been the big one and it seems to continue to be it and there were a bunch of announcements and stuff and it's interesting in that it hasn't had the issues that e3 has had because it began as a consumer game show it's it's almost more like the pax of europe than the e3 of europe except ah. people because there isn't a pax of europe it occupies both spaces but it's it's always been consumer oriented so you, you just got like a huge crush of fans and there is there's like a dev aspect too there's dev devcom which happens i almost went to that once and then i didn't but uh yeah it, it also takes place in cologne which is where they have the worst beer in the world called Kolsch. Uh, you know how a moldy sponge smells? That's how Kolsch tastes. Uh, there's probably some people getting mad at me in their ears right now. Uh, that's about how all beer t- tastes to me. Uh, this is a message for, for Europeans who want to make fun of Americans regarding beer. Um, because Euro- Europeans like to get into it with Americans about beer. And, and the first their go-to is usually to make fun of Budweiser. And uh, so my advice is to avoid that because... That's like a grandpa beer, football beer. It's not like the people that you're going to be talking to about it are not going to be drinking Budweiser. And it's, I don't know, it's like making fun of your own grocery store beer. It's 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 not interesting. But right. the way that you should make fun of us is by saying that we don't know how to use any ingredient other than hops. Uh, I think that is a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the way where you could make fun of us. They should make fun of Americans for drinking nasty ass IPAs and stuff like that. Yeah. So just got to globalize your perspective on making fun of us a little more uh, and then you can do it effectively. So that's my that's my go for the second joke. So I don't like Gamescom just seems like another show to me. I don't know. Like they, they all blur together at this point. I think I think we don't have a the show anymore. I think I think games just tour like bands at this point through all these these dang shows yeah um the only differentiator is like which show do we debut the game at you know that that seems to really be the only thing setting them apart at this point at least for me or at least as as someone who doesn't go to these shows right and, yeah. and is just like uh uh maybe watching stuff uh as it's streamed or i mean it, it, the gamescom thing was literally hosted by jeff Keeley. it's just another yeah. thing it's another one of those yeah. it's another jeff Keeley show but the actual space is pretty different because it is really huge and it's like one huge giant hangar. There's separate rooms and stuff, but each room is the size of like one of the three show floors. It's massive and you do get a lot more European games there that are just like around. It's much more confusing and difficult to navigate despite being one straight row of things because there's there's just so much and it's so many people and... I guess I would say it's the show where I've run into the fewest people that I knew, not because they weren't there, but because it was so large that I didn't naturally bump into them. So I looked at the attendance numbers and it says 370,000 visitors and that it's the world's largest gaming event, which I did not know. So yeah. 
it's big it's a big boy yeah same yeah it's it's huge and it's um kind of uncomfortable <laughs> to go to and it also has this weird looseness feeling to it because you uh like at e3 you were in at pax as well you're always like within one area it feels like like you're in the la convention center you're in the seattle convention center you're all it, it's almost vegas style you're inside of e3 and then you're outside of e3 once you leave but gamescom being all these uh connected hangers the the connecting part is really just like you're walking outside so you actually kind of it feels like you're leaving gamescom and then going back in um and so it has this weird emptiness to it while also being having a full crush of people it's uh i guess it's actually more like tokyo game show it's like the airport of of games conferences <laughs> it's very airporty the the it feels like an airport hangar maybe it is uh, i mean it's as far as the streams go it seems like everything is becoming an undifferentiated mush of yeah. jeff Keeley. so yeah yeah even when it's not literally jeff Keeley, it's jeff Keeley. yeah, yeah. Uh, gamescom is just a, another part of the Keeley verse at this point yeah yeah it's not even extended Keely verse. It's just regular. <laughs> it's yet to be extended. What's the uh, Snyder cut of Gamescom of Game Conferences? <laughs> oh boy! Wait, the Snyder cut of Game Conferences? Uh, I don't yeah. know, Jeffy. Is that your next question? Should we just go for it? Yeah. What's the Snyder cut of Games Conferences? <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> it would have to be something like imagine you know E3 barely exists anymore or doesn't exist anymore. So imagine there was a huge constituency of fans for E3 and like lobbying for like mm-hmm. this is what it should be. So what would that be? Wait. Okay. I have I have a thought actually. Gamescom. I think. It, yeah, it's probably yeah. Gamescom. No, I I have a thought which is uh, you all may recall there was that one year of E3 where it took place in Santa Monica. It was very strange. Uh, everything was really super spread out, and and the the game journalists who had to cover games had to like take taxis between venues to get everywhere, um, and it was pretty ridiculous. But there were a few people like me who were particular fans of this event because I was able to just find out where all the developers were. They were since all the um, journalists couldn't figure out what to do. They were pretty much free, and I could just find a developer and interview them and get a good soundbite and then a longer interview for later. And it was great, and I got a lot of reporting. And um, all the websites were just reporting on our reporting because we were getting all kinds of stuff. Um, so if there were more people like me, they could request that E three come back, but be like that. And I think that works because that E3 is something that most people didn't experience, but some people could have heard about, and then it went back to normal, and so people could 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 call for that to come back. It's, oh, yeah, that's a big element of it, sure. I don't know if it's a, a direct analog, but it's but, the best okay, I But, okay, is it fitting, you know, what Zack Snyder's Justice League is, right, well, it, which is... That I don't know anything about. <laughs> you know, it's... it's uh, as the creator intended or whatever and it's um uh it's it's over bloated it's just ridiculous you <laughs> so know you have it's... chris crawford come back to gdc and give a yeah. giant speech about slaying the dragon i mean yeah. it's it's like when they let the you know they let john k do ren and stimpy by himself you know it's kind of like yeah. that. it's just like okay. oh this is why you know <laughs> so you know it, it, i mean it's not it's not egregious like that stuff was but it's very much like he made like a four hour movie that's that's like square 
<laughs> so yeah, so maybe maybe Chris Crawford comes back to GDC. It goes to okay. San Jose because everyone complains about San Francisco. There's too many many yeah. homeless people, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, Chris Crawford is the keynote at the new GDC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah he's and, like I'm still working on my algorithm, and it's like very spread out, and there's like nothing there. It's just a car park kind of area, and uh, it's weirdly has some elements of E3 combined into it. Like there's a consumer show case or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we can bloat it out, no problem. Uh, so um, I did a search for the longest con in video game history. <laughs> Star Citizen, right? No, I got a bunch of results about Todd Rogers, who faked a bunch of video game scores. Yeah. Nice. Not the same thing. No. You could have that guy be a keynote speaker as well. Yeah, why sure. not? Why? Who is which, Who is the director for which the Todd Rogers keynote is the director's cut? Um, <laughs> Walter Day. Chris Crow. Oh, yeah. Walter Day, yeah, that's right. Just bring back all the old names that were even tangentially involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's only old people. <laughs> it's just getting worse that's it yeah <laughs> we have richard garriott come back and show you his sword collection <laughs> <laughs> will wright is here to sell you crypto <laughs> oh boy yeah we don't show anything from after 1995 because nobody knows what it is yeah yeah those after that doesn't matter yeah no. yeah, yeah could be like e395 it's just literally those games right that would be cool. We could have a John Romero come back uh, with uh, some S and M getup so that he can he can he can make you his his um, his his sub as as they might you can say. Be, you can be dressed like that one Seinfeld cover. <laughs> have you ever seen the Seinfeld cover? Yeah, oh, I know the one. Yes, dressed up in, in S and M. I think it's like Variety magazine or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it would be fun to do like a Renaissance fair, except it's E three nineteen ninety five, and everyone has to come in character. Everyone's got a utility kilt. Yeah. You have John Carvick come in and give a keynote about his tweet where he says, I like carrying around a knife because it reminds me that I'm a tool user. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh. one of my all-time favorites. That's why Twitter exists. <laughs> wow. That's a good one. It could also just be like too big and focused on things that people don't care about. Like that, I have watched the Snyder Cut. I haven't seen the original, but I've watched the Snyder Cut. It was an experience in not caring about anything for four hours. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know what the equivalent would be. Like, it'd be games that are already out, I think. Right. So, like, no one's like like when you go to PAX and there's giant booths for games that you can just play right now. Yeah, Um, it's like games that are two years old. Yeah. If it's GDC, it could be only PR people are allowed to speak at the conference and so it's it's all just like fluff and puff pieces about the games and and no actual dev insights or anything i think that's it and that's time okay here's great my next question so my 65 year old dad texted me this week to tell me that he found a collection of cds in my childhood bedroom that he's been listening to in the car on his way to the office It turns out they're the radio station soundtracks from Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. That's very good. What other video game soundtracks should I be sending my dad to listen to on his 12-minute commute? Okay, so he's he's enjoying these. Yeah. I take it. Okay. He tells you, like, really love master sounds. (laughs) Yeah, you clearly should be sending him the Evergrace soundtrack. (laughs) Yeah. Sure. (laughs) Give him some road rage. Um I mean, it it depends on what you want to do, because I feel like 
you yourself, Jaffe, would want to give him the near soundtracks so that he, you, you could have a bonding experience over that. And be like, oh, I don't think he'd like, like that, though. But what if you could get him to like it? So what? which aspects of the GTA soundtrack is he enjoying the most, would you say? He told me he's really loving uh, the master sounds, which is kind of like the throwback 70s station. Okay. Um, so what about like the Bioshock soundtrack? That's too far back. Got That's it. not 70s. I know it's not. But but if if he wants but to it's get old. <laughs> some vintage some vintage sounds, he might like the four, the 20s to 30s stuff that's in there. I don't know. Yeah, sure. That gets Fallout in there. What is a soundtrack that has like a s- sort of 70s soul theme to it? I, I'm having a hard time coming up with something. I assume that Death Thingy, Death Proof game does because it's got the visual vibe. Deathloop? Deathloop, that's the Death one. Deathproof yeah. Death is, Death Death is that movie. Is a movie. Maybe the yeah. GTA Vice City. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's the natural yeah. follow-up, sure. Yeah, that's really the only thing. I mean, like during the PS2-ish era, there were a lot of licensed game soundtracks, but I'm trying to think of, you know, like the the main ones I think of are like Tony Hawk types, that, you know, like Warp Tour type I th- stuff. I think it would be fun to give him Tony Hawk and see what happens, though. He might, he might start like... <laughs> skanking in the home i feel like he got enough of that uh carpooling when we were in middle school we had a few ska fans in our group i I think it could it could bring him back he might he might love that yeah uh, coming back to it like my mom this isn't listening to the music but uh a couple of times ago when she was visiting i was wearing like a pink shirt with some stripy lines on it and she didn't like it (laughs) she was like i don't like that shirt and i went and changed it to one of my like death metal shirts where someone's tearing their face off and i was like is this better and she's like yes because that was what she was used to me wearing <laughs> when i was in comparatively high school. and uh <laughs> so your dad might get that feeling of like oh i remember back when i you remember when i drove you to school and i embarrassed you with this anecdote he'd probably like uh, yeah you know what he might uh i feel like the katamari soundtrack is universal sure 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 yeah it, if it's not too quirky for him but yeah. i mean there, there is the the Shubiyake, like the Burt Bacharach seventies mm-hmm. Cornelius Stereo Lab kind of stuff, which is like, well, I guess Burt Bacharach's more like sixties ish, but yeah. Speaking of sixties, I wonder about uh, Space Channel Five. How he'd feel about that? Ooh, Space Channel Five would be a good one. Yeah, that might work. Uh, to fill in my dad's profile, he went to sixty four live Grateful Dead shows. Ah, oh, wow. uh, yeah, okay, okay. Like Katamari wouldn't be a bad choice then, right? There's, I know there's some jam band soundtracks. Like, is there a soundtrack to Ape Out? Hmm, it's I, like drums, right? It's it's drums with some other things in there, but it's it's very jammy. I think there is a soundtrack to that. I don't know. I mean the the Earthbound soundtrack is pretty like psychedelic. Honestly. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I think that would be a hit. Yeah, but is he gonna be cool with uh, you know? digitally generated sounds as opposed to instruments that is a good question yeah there are like a lot of references to old pop songs in it true 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 um earlier brandon said tony hawk and see what happens and i love that as a title for something (laughs) (laughs) it might be the title of this episode (laughs) tony hawk and see what happens yeah Yeah. tony hawk it and see what happens (laughs) (laughs) has anyone ever done a podcast episode where they interviewed him and uh called it tony talk with tony hawk because they should have i mean probably (laughs) probably that's what i want to do i don't know if he does podcast appearances i know he does nfts now we should get him on here but actually now you said nfts now i don't want him on here (laughs) yeah 
Dadgummit, why they gotta do that stuff? Just leave, just get, get, get that all out of here forever. How about that? That's a good policy, and I stand behind it. Here's our next topic. What better way to celebrate 250 episodes than with an improv zone? Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. You're in for it now. Kirby and Super Smash Brothers director Masahiro Sakurai has started his own YouTube channel about the history of video games and game design theory. Oh, yeah. Kind of like this podcast, but made better. This could be the start of a trend in the industry. I'm going to call out the name of a game director, and one of you will have to act out a sample of what their YouTube channel would be like. Okay. Let's start with Ed Boon. Uh, what does he say in, in, in that pinball game? Get yourself a hot dog. Right? <laughs> like he, <laughs> he's Rudy the Dummy in Funhouse, right? So, um, yeah, so uh, I don't know if this is what I sound like, but this is what I sound like now. Um, I'm, I'm Ed Boon. And uh, yeah, you know, back then, the, 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 the coin-op division of uh, Midway, you know, we didn't just make a video. We did uh, pinball. We did pins as well. And, uh, you know, I did some design, but I, I think uh, what most people might remember me for is uh, is uh, being uh, Rudy the Dummy in, uh, in, in the Funhouse uh, game. And, and really, that was uh, probably my proudest uh, moment in my career. You know, kids talk about Mortal Kombat and such, but uh, being able to uh, voice a dummy um, while being able to move my lips... Uh, no one knew because it was a recording, you know, so people thought that uh, I was a ventriloquist and it uh, turned out really well. And uh, I would say that that's uh, that's what what uh, inspired uh, Mortal Kombat in the end. Shinji Sma Mikami smashing that leg button. Shinji Mikami. Is that who's next? That's right. Yeah. Back when I was making uh, my seminal work, Goof Troop, I knew <laughs> that it had the potential to become I something even greater. Uh, that's why I made. I created the Resident Evil series, but isn't it best to go back to one's roots at times? That's why I'm announcing a new Goof Troop in Unreal Engine 5 here on my channel exclusive to you uh, with the my- The Goof Troop Within. Yeah, the Goof, tro <laughs> goof Troop Within. Uh, it's a survival horror, Disney licensed, goofy video game, um, which brings back all your favorites. Mr. Goof X, for example. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm doing. The end. <laughs> Ron Gilbert. Uh, hey guys, uh, it's Ron Gilbert here. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about uh, when we made Mani Maniac Mansion back in the, the 1980s. It was a long time ago. Uh, you know, a lot of people say that you can microwave the hamster in that game. That's not actually true. What is true, when we were working on it back at Skywalker Ranch, uh, George Lucas came in and he was like, hey guys, I think you're doing a great job. And we we're like, thanks, George. And that was a, a really important <laughs> moment in, in my career, I know, uh, that I'll um, never forget. Tetsuya Nomura. I love belts. I love zippers. I love belts with zippers on them. I love zippers with belts on them. Uh, uh, I, I wish it was 2003. And here is my uh, top 20 list of things that I like from 2003. Uh, I, like, I like pointy, spiky hairdos. Uh, I like big shoes. I like big shoes. Uh, I like the colors black and yellow. Maybe white, but black and yellow, those are my top ones. Uh, I like lore. 
Uh, that's not from 2003, but I'm just giving you a little in, extra insight in, into me. Um, this is a little tip for you game developers, aspiring games, game developers. The more cutscenes you can put into a video game before the video game starts, before the, you allow the player to do anything, the better that game will be received. This is just a fact uh, that I've discovered throughout my years developing get video <laughs> games. Uh, I like zippers. Did I mention that? Um, you I like did. zippers. <laughs> Jeff Minter. Oh. <laughs> Jeff Minter. What? Llama sounds for two hours straight. <laughs> when I'm hanging out with my llamas in New Zealand, uh, I is in Wales. I had I had an experience where I can't do a New Zealand accent, sorry. He's Welsh. I had Oh, he's Welsh? Okay, I'm sorry. I confused him with Sam Neill, who also has a lot of goats and stuff. Uh when I'm hanging out with my animals, I started to see visions of llamas dancing in the air with through many colors, and I saw many math equations, and I thought, wow, this would be a really killer idea for a game. So I, I went over to my computer system, which is plugged into cybernetically into a, a, a bale of hay, and, and I said, uh, it is time to unleash the demons uh and and it was very colorful and uh several people uh experienced uh, uh severe nausea while playing it which means to me it was a very successful uh experience i got i got to add i got to add one for 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 him um yeah so here's here's the title of my video it's called uh how to grow psychotropic amanita mushrooms in llama fur uh there's a lot of steps involved <laughs> Uh, you need a lot of llamas. You need a lot of fur. You need a damp area like we, like we have here in Wales. One of the keys, and you may not know this, is that you have to play 90s style techno music to the mushrooms 24 hours a day um, while playing a, a light visualizer on top of them. And then they will give you the uh, the optimal psychotropic experience. Here's my 10 part video. Okay, yeah, this the whole thing was inspired by a really killer square pusher track. <laughs> <laughs> the Oliver Twins. We love yeah. eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Here's 12 ways you can prepare eggs. <laughs> I've been saving a uh, joke response to one for one of these, which is just to go off in a right-wing way about uh, woke culture. But uh, so far, I haven't wanted to do that to any of these people. So yeah. uh, just, just, just know Imagine that the Snyder, the Snyder cut of this episode. <laughs> That's right. It's had me uh, screaming about woke culture and how we should ban all books. Frank, uh, you might want to hold on to that because our next one is Tomonobu Itagaki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wokeness has got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> They're telling me I can't have jiggly boobs in my game. <laughs> no one should have pronouns. No one. Jiggly no one, boobs no pronouns. do not have pronouns. Boobs do not have pronouns. <laughs> Books, books should not exist. We should kids should not have access to books anymore. We should get rid of the books. <laughs> this is what he sounds like. Yeah, I think Itagaki's all right. Probably Reggie Fizeme. <laughs> Back when I was working at uh, Pizza Hut, we had a saying: "I'm about kicking ass and taking names and uh, selling you NFTs." We're we're all about delivering pizza back in the day. I was like I was like, you guys get it better get the pizza out. You better get it out. Nice, good product. You better get it out fast. You better get it out hot. 
customers don't like it when it's cold. So I took the same approach to when I went to Nintendo and especially GameStop, which was my finest work being on the GameStop board of investors. <laughs> when I created the Bigfoot Monster Pizza, uh, what I did was that people wanted things bigger and bolder and Because better I'm and... big. You may not know this about me. I'm a pretty big Which guy. is what I've done at GameStop. That's why we made the Wii. David Cage. <laughs> oh, God. I love the video game. It is, uh, how you say, the expression of the inner core of the self. Uh, myself, not yourself. <laughs> uh, because uh, the video game is the uh, modern media expression, and I hate the wokeness, and uh, I do not think the women should have the rights. And uh, <laughs> in, in, in this game, I examine a robot woman taking a shower from five <laughs> different angles as she short, short circuits. And then uh, we discover her dark past as a robot sex worker on the streets of Detroit filled with many objectionable racial tropes. Uh, and then the world ends because it turns out that the main character who was a male was blamed for doing all the things that he did not do uh, and it was not his fault. It was actually the universe's fault. The um, enemy was the wokeness. Hey. And, I, and I brought Lars von Trier in with me as a consultant. Wow, it's really, he should have a show. He's very honest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And finally, Sweary. <laughs> oh, man. Sweary. Um, he'd be talking about, I think he'd be reviewing beer or something. He would be reviewing uh, whiskey, I think. He'd, he'd okay. be like, this is my favorite bar. Yeah, okay. So uh, welcome everyone to my favorite white owls bar uh where i will be reviewing uh this whiskey today it's got a very nice mouth feel you'll see that i have the the uh delightful uh round ice cube in here which fills the glass <clears throat> really helps cool everything down without watering it down too much but if you like your whiskey with a little um you know thinned out a little bit so that you can you can spend a longer time savoring it you just swirl it around a little more swirling this glass around reminds me of the movie twister have you ever seen the movie <laughs> twister <laughs> yeah, there you go. it was it was a really great movie uh honestly very underrated there were a lot of very good performances in it anyway it reminds me of the flavor of this whiskey <laughs> you can know. taste the oak notes we all know that when you see donkey milk on a menu that it's there as a joke and you're not <laughs> supposed to order it but i know this one weirdo <laughs> Okay, I, I just wanted to add a little... Um, yeah. I don't think I shared my story of talking to Ed Boone at the Dice Summit, did I? Uh, if you haven't, this is a great occasion to reshare it. It is episode 250. And okay. I, I will share my story right after, which I think I have shared before, but I'll do it again. So at Dice, which is in Las Vegas, Frank, you were there. I bought a uh, an, an R-Zone, mm -hmm. which is a, the Tiger handheld headset. So it, it like takes the Tiger LCD games and you can slot them in to a headset where it's got like one red like transparent eyepiece and it projects the lcd game onto the transparent eyepiece and you wear it and you look like the i don't know the guy from the terminator uh john who's the who's the dad connor is that john john carmack yeah john yeah john carmack he carries around a knife because he's a tool user yeah uh, but anyway you look like right. the terminator guy with a with a one eyepiece up anyway i decided to wear it to the dice awards after party and it really put a lot of people off, <laughs> to be honest, uh, which was very funny. But um, I forgot I was wearing it. And then I went up to talk to Ed Boone. He and I were on the same like advisory panel. So I was talking to him about that stuff. And he kept just looking at me and going, uh-huh, 
uh-huh and he really he really didn't want to talk to me and then his like producer just slid himself physically between ed boone and me and started talking to me instead so that ed boone could leave uh and i realized later that he was probably weirded out by my headset because uh multiple people later thought that it was a recording device even though it's a very clearly a 1990s piece of terrible technology that was my little ed boone story i was trying to talk to him like a regular human being and he thought i was a big weirdo and uh was forced to be rescued by his producer well my my very quick disappointing ed boone story is that i i was interviewing him for something i don't remember like he was you know on a pr tour for whatever he had going at the time and um similarly to my jokey podcast thing uh, i was very tickled by the the fact that he was the voice of rudy the dummy in my favorite pinball machine uh funhouse my first question to him was can you talk to me in the voice of rudy the dummy (laughs) oh no um and uh he he was just like oh uh i don't i don't remember how to do it and and so i like tried to like mimic his voice oh no back at him <laughs> oh no um, and and then he's like oh and then he did it back to me but it was like worse than my impression of him <laughs> so um, he has completely lost that voice and it's very disappointing that's too bad i like that you both have very embarrassing stories <laughs> <laughs> i'm not embarrassed i'm not embarrassed oh, by that okay <laughs> <laughs> that guy should talk. That guy should be pleased that someone recognizes that he's really the dummy. He did a fantastic okay. performance in that. In that, fair enough. I'm he's sorry. Very so, healthy you know, self image. Actual really dumpy dummy is you know get yourself a hot dog, right? And and I tried to do it at him, and he's like, oh yeah, I don't remember the lines, and he's like, step away from the clock. It's like that's not what he sounds. It doesn't sound like that. It's really bad. Now I'm doing an impression of his bad impression of my impression of him. I yeah. love it. Get yourself a hot dog, Mister J. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 <laughs> what's the uh, What's the inception of this podcast? It's uh, it's, yeah. it's Frank doing a voice of Ed Boon doing a voice of Frank doing a voice of Ed Boon. <laughs> Me doing Harley Quinn Ed Boon. <laughs> yeah. Liz, what's your embarrassing Ed Boon story? Oh, my my embarrassing story has nothing to do with any games person, so maybe I shouldn't tell it. Okay. What's your most embarrassing uh, Ed Boon memory? Yeah. I, I, I've never met Ed Boon. Well, you got to work on that. It could be like I used to yeah. know the backstories of every Mortal Kombat character. So, since, okay, since I brought it up, my most embarrassing story, I'll just say this briefly. I saw this band called Caribou in college that used to be known as Manitoba. This guy, he's like a Canadian electronic musician, mm-hmm. and he used to be known as Manitoba. But then he got sued by this guy from uh, I can't remember what punk band who his name was going by the name Dick Manitoba, so he was forced to change his name. So I had this shirt from swim team where our our coach who like for the one year that I swam in college, our coach was named Dick Michaels and he was leaving. <laughs> so we everyone made a shirt that said I heart Dick on it. So I had a shirt that said I heart Dick. And so I brought it to the concert because I thought he would think it was funny. And I actually went up to him after the show and I was like, you like my shirt? I heart dick. And he's like, yeah. And he he looked like extremely upset at me and then walked (laughs) away. So and then I was like, wow, that was really stupid and embarrassing. And I feel stupid for doing that. Well, we know what to make you wear if you ever meet Ed Boone. Exactly. The I heart dick t-shirt. Please no. (laughs) I love Rudy the Demi. Well. We'll contemplate that as we take a quick break and return in just a moment. First time I met uh, Reggie fils um, you know, what you do with that guy is, is ask why he hasn't localized a game, right? But uh, right. I didn't ask about the one that, that you'd think 
one would ask about uh, I asked about Oenda. So it was before Elite Beat Agents was the thing. So that that is You're my responsible first. for Elite Beat Agents getting I am list. responsible for Elite Beat Agents, yes. He was like I was waiting for somebody to ask. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. Welcome back to Insert Credit. It's time for us to dive as we do into the dirt bag where one of our lucky and intelligent and good-looking listeners who subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash insert credit for just dollars a month can get access to a form where they can submit questions, get monthly bonus episodes, and other treats and surprises as we release them. Uh, This week's question comes from Mr. Heck, who asks, In Anna Karenina, there's a famous line, All happy families are alike. Each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Applying this to video games, what do good and or successful games have in common? And what makes bad and or unsuccessful games unique? Mm, I think good and successful games have often the... Well, maybe this is not true. Because I was going to say money is a common factor but I, there are some games that are good and successful that came out after like a lot of trials so maybe not well i think it's um enough time it might be kind of the same thing but i think it's polish yeah specifically like however yeah. you got there money or time right or yeah. both i think it's polish is the common uh denominator when it comes to successful popular games i mean you know even things that are a little janky that got popular are still like polished janky i don't know mm-hmm. if that that actually makes sense, but it does in my head right now. No, it does. Like if if movement feels good, then then a lot more can be forgiven if that part's yeah. polished. Yeah. I guess I would like to dispute the premise of the question. Sorry, Mr. Tolstoy. I know you were a great writer, but um, I'm not sure if that's exactly true. Uh, or, or at least there are plenty of bad games that are ver- bad for very similar reasons to each other. Sure. Yeah. 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 But there, there, we could at least name a handful of reasons that games are bad, and they're kind of the opposite of polish, which is uh, not enough time, not enough money, not enough people. Um, I've also seen a lot of games that just have zero vision whatsoever yeah uh they, they're just like the people making it had no idea why they were doing it they were just this was their job calls to mind uh the thing that sticks out for me forever from a, a konami gdc talk they were talking about how much how much you can monetize a player versus how much fun they have to have like how much fun they, they need to be able to have some fun before you monetize them or else they'll quit and uh and the first question after the conference after the 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 talk was over was uh can you tell me how much fun is required to be put into the game mm-hmm. uh, b- before i can monetize <laughs> can you give me a precise a precise measure of fun that i'm going to pour how into many, this how beaker? many fun units Distilled must i provide fun essence fun syrup Fun can I have the the can I have the fun crystals to to output into the? I hate this shit so much. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. How do you quantify anything? You don't because I mean I like I understand that there's some degree of, but I I think that's like a trick that uh, I don't know. People people tell themselves that uh, there's some kind of comprehensible easy. I mean, obviously there are some best practices, but a lot of them are just like common sense or whatever. I don't know. Going back to the question, I think like like rush development time and inexperienced developers has a huge and like lack of support 
you know, like a publisher or whoever is giving money is like a huge thing in common for a lot of bad games. But then there are games that are successful that somehow made it to be successful in spite of that. Plus, you have games within by inexperienced developers that end up being kind of accidentally awesome, like like a Death Crimson type thing, which is not like a good game, but it's, yeah. you know, completely fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's tough with some of those bad games because uh, Frank and I for quite a while did a a a bad games club where we would play bad PS2 games and have a good time with it. And there is a game called uh, London Cab, which we may have mentioned on this show before, um, published by Phoenix or Metro, one of those. The collision is all terrible. The car basically starts out halfway in the ground, stuck in the ground, and everything about it is bad. But it, And it has this terrible music. But the terrible music, uh, I think it was me and Matthew Kumar, or maybe also Frank, the the music immediately lent itself to singing London cab i'm driving a london cab and yep. it was it was just that repeated refrain over and over that's all the music was and we it just, suddenly the game was fun and there was nothing we could do about it <laughs> <laughs> cuz you're now driving around you're in your London cab singing about how you're driving around in your London <laughs> cab. Right. How can you have a bad time doing that? It's yeah. impossible. <laughs> have you ever heard the theme to this game called Smashing Drive? Oh, yeah. Or I think it was an arcade yes. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Dreamcast yeah. or do, 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 do. I'm going there right now or something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, great, great theme. Uh, my favorite memory from our bad game night, I think, was uh, um, Billy Hatcher on the PS2, mm. which eventually yeah. came out on the Wii. I, I was the first one to play it. And, you know, it's a racing game where you're uh, rip off Harry Potter. Um, and the first thing I did was just turn around like 180 degrees in the race and then uh, clip right through a wall that was behind me and go under the environment. It's just the first thing I did in that game. <laughs> it, was, it, it wasn't Billy Hatcher because that's the uh, egg rolling game. No, no, not Billy Hatcher. Sorry. Billy, uh, Billy, Billy the Hatcher's wizard. a platform. Billy oh, okay. the Wizard. Billy the Wizard. Okay. Yeah. Formerly Barry Hatter. That was that was the original ah, title. Barry Hatter. They, yeah, they, they they had announced it under the title Barry Hatter. So of course, uh, <laughs> yeah. of course, Brandon Harry and I. Batter. Yeah, of course, Brandon and I were very excited about Barry Hatter. Hundred <laughs> percent. Would you call play a baseball game called Harry, Harry Batter? Batter. <laughs> Barry Hitter. Yeah, that's Barry Bonds right there. Yeah, well, there I think I think. To summarize this question, I think the biggest thing is like both bad games and good games have in common is like either either like consistent investment and support from publishers or whoever, like experienced devs working within something that they know what they're doing and or like the opposite lack of so I, I feel like that's the one big indicator, but um, it isn't even always true sometimes. So I don't know. Well, it's like, you know lack of vision or lack of resources are, are how a game is bad and i think the opposite is true of good games and and but bad games can be interest more interesting and varied in ways that good games that are successful tend to not be i think yeah, I, I think that's I, I kind right. of agree with the sentiment but and it, usually when bad games are interesting it's because they got something weird wrong but it's it's kind of like when a little kid just says some nonsense, but it sounds really interesting. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's like, oh, your brain's a little broken because you're not developed yet, but you just came up with a phrase no one's come up with before. Mm -hmm. Well, I yeah, I think I think maybe yeah, what what you mean in terms of like 
when something is successful, almost that success kind of like masks all the things that went into making it mm-hmm. um, to where you don't really observe like you're not necessarily observing how weird something actually is or, you know, how strange you know the uniqueness about it because it is successful it's become part of the establishment versus like something that is unsuccessful that is you know you see the processes behind like making the thing and sort of what went wrong and you get to like reverse engineer that whereas like something that's successful um it's like much harder to do that so it become because it has become so much absorbed into the consciousness or become so established it was weird when we were playing those old bad games and we got to uh that lemony snicket unfortunate events game. i was waiting for this yeah and (laughs) Every time this comes up, we get back to Lemony Snicket. Gotta get back <laughs> there because good. it was too good. We played it and it was like, wow, they really got the movement right on this. And these puzzles aren't bad. What's going on with this? Very strange. Very mysterious. Let's play Universal Studios theme park adventure again. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. It's no Neopets, the darkest fairy, a game that I bought in a bargain bin for $1. Yeah. It's like it, a ripoff. It's no alias. Uh, that was a good one. <laughs> this is a pretty good transition into my next question. The number 250 is slang in Chinese for an idiot. What's the stupidest thing you've ever seen in a video game? Mm. Oh. Oh, there's a lot of stupid things. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's hard hard to think of. I mean, I'm just going to I'm just just so we're not thinking forever and just so someone's talking. Um I recently reread that classic Old Man Murray article about the death of adventure games um, with the uh, puzzle in Gabriel Knight 3. Um, do, you, do you all know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Um, I don't know if I can remember the whole thing, but it's it's uh, that's the mustache one, right? Yes. Yes. So th- so you have to you have to impersonate a person um, in order to get, you know, past a guard or whatever. That person exists and you could do something really stupid to get his ID. Right. So you get his ID, but that doesn't work because you don't look like him. The solution to the puzzle is that you have to somehow think of this. I don't know how one would think of this. Uh, You have to find a Sharpie and draw a mustache on his ID and then make a fake mustache for yourself and wear it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But to make the fake mustache for yourself, you have to find this hole that this cat keeps running through and like put tape on the hole and like honey or something <laughs> so that when oh, the get cat, cat hair yes yeah, so that when the cat runs through it magically absorbs a, a mustache amount of hair that you put on your face the world of adventure games is rough <laughs> okay yeah. so there's there's a game that I, and i found out about this game from this channel called uh ross's game dungeon he covered this game called armed and delirious which is also called granny x or dementia and you play as this like it, it is one of the most bizarre games that those I've are seen. three very different titles <laughs> yeah and you play as like uh you play as like a grandma and she just like it's hard to even explain this game i i, I really can't explain it. you have to look up footage of it but and i've never played this game so i you know but just from this video there's one puzzle i mean there are a lot of puzzles that are kind of like the gabriel knight one but there's one where i think you have to like figure out how to match like a color there's like a color wheel with like a bunch of different sections of the color wheel and there is apparently literally and you have to solve it and there's apparently literally no hints on how to solve it so it's just pure trial and error so it could take you up to 10 or 20 minutes wow and even according to the the like official guide there's no actual solution to it uh it's just there <laughs> in the game it, it, very insane thing to 
put into a game, but uh, that tells you what this game is. I mean, this isn't actually that stupid, but it's something that for some reason that's reminding me of that makes me mad is that um, I think it's Alex Kidd, the original, where uh, to defeat the boss at the end of the stage, you play Rochambeau. And uh, I don't think that randomly <laughs> winning or losing is a very good game mechanic. Yeah, that's infuriating. No. <laughs> yeah. I think that's very stupid. Um, this I don't know if this totally fits, but I think that some of the changes that working designs made code-wise and difficulty-wise to the video games that they worked on could be counted in this pretty stupid zone, like where they uh, last-minute tweaked some numbers on Exile Wicked Phenomenon for the TurboGrafx, uh, making it so that you basically have to grind to level 90 or so uh, in the second level in order to proceed. Um, <laughs> it's like... That's pretty bad. Uh, it's, it's, pr- it's pretty, pretty bad. bad. Yeah, it was rough. They did a lot of that. I wouldn't call that stupid as much as I would call it cruel. Yeah. Well, it, they didn't do it on purpose, so that's why it's stupid. Okay. Like oh. they, changed, yeah. they changed it, but they didn't intend for it to happen like that. Okay, then it's yeah, stupid. Yeah, I, I would say, like, with the Armed and Delirious example, apparently someone from PC Gamer said, it looks and plays like it was designed by a malicious Mar- Marcel Duchamp. <laughs> uh, so that gives you a good idea. But that also makes me think it's, like, intentional, so to just be as malicious as possible. So I don't know. I was going to, my original answer was going to be like, I don't know what the stupidest thing in game in a game is, but whatever it is, it came out in the year 2007. <laughs> Cause that was like peak stupidity for games. Like the late two thousands. Why can't, why can't Sonic hold on to his rings? That's pretty stupid. Just learn, yeah. learn to hold on to him. Sometimes you're going to get hit by things. Just hold on to one buddy. You could, you could do it. He can. They can do it in Knuckles Chaotix. Why can't Sonic do it elsewhere? You'll have to ask Sonic. I will ask Sonic. Now. So, last week, NASA released a recording of sound waves emanating from a black hole in the Perseus Galaxy Cluster. Classic Perseus. Oh, I bet it just sounds like some farts. That's wah, wah, wah. Does it sound like <laughs> FM synth? Does it sound like Sega Genesis noises? A little bit, actually. I better. So, I want you all to listen to this if you haven't heard it before. Okay. And then tell me how you would implement that sound into a video game. Put it on the Sega Genesis. I'm hearing it. This just sounds this sounds like uh the background of like a dungeon in Zelda 64 like the Shadow Temple. This could be music from the Shadow Temple. You know, if this if this music is not, I mean, if this sound is not copywritten, you could totally use it for the um, driving and shifting noise in uh, in Oh Dear. Uh, yeah, it, it totally sounds mm. like a car revving up and then shifting. Um, I, I kind of actually want to do that now. Uh, if that's I wish it. I had any control over changing the sound effects when I was originally doing that because of freaking PS Mobile. I'm yeah. sure you remember when I was like, uh, is there any way in game to change the volume level? And you were like, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> this sounds to me like it would be literally an Earthbound. Yes. Like, yeah. That's exactly what I thought. Maybe when you're like in that final area walking to the, like as the robot. Yeah. The walking... bah, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Bah. Like it sounds like it could be in there, right? Bah, yeah. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> yeah. 
the bit that they sampled from the Beatles song. Oh, was that a Beatles sample? Yeah, that's the beginning of the bum bum Yeah. But that's not a Beatles song originally, of course. No, but it, but then it goes, <laughs> and then it, love, okay. love, love. Uh, yeah, it's all you need is love. France invented the Beatles. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want someone to make an FM synth version of this and just play it on a Genesis. And uh, th- that could be the next, um, the next like Mario clouds only kind of thing, whatever that's called. Um, the the next art piece could be uh, interpreting this for the Sega Genesis and just having you put you plug it in and it plays this with like some jeff mentor visualizer or something <laughs> honestly where with where it's at i wouldn't be surprised if this audio is already in some kind of fan mod of mario 64 yeah like some creepy pasta thing one of those like back room style cat princess peach castle mods yeah there's b3 one three 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 or whatever it's called i can't remember what it's called but that's like that but there is a bunch of like creepy pasta mario stuff at this point wait i have a better mario drop in which is um the title screen to super mario all-stars when the lights are out and they're like talking to each other it's just this <laughs> oh that's good yeah. yes <laughs> that's pretty good yeah. yeah and then the lights come on and like the yeah. nice music plays and then the lights go off again and then it's this sound <laughs> yeah that's perfect you know it also yeah it also actually does speak of knuckles chaotix it actually kind of does sound like the uh, intro roll that happens at the start of Knuckles Chaotix. Yeah, you could do like a Boards of Canada and have a bunch of backwards voices to saying things like Mario is in hell. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think we've solved it. All right, here's my next question. As we look ahead to our next 250 episodes, what kind of games and areas of game culture do we not talk about enough on Insert Credit? Basically, tell me what directions I should aim my next 2,500 questions. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, those are two separate questions to me, because <laughs> the things you don't ask about, I don't really want to talk about. But, uh, like, you know, let's talk about the casual games industry that we have no idea about. That's part of video games. Mm-hmm. Um, or, I don't know, I've never played Fortnite <laughs> You know, I, I don't keep up on that stuff like I used to. But I, I, I should probably focus on the second half, I guess, of this question, which is what what should what do we want to talk about? Yeah, I assume there are areas of your expertise that I'm not engaging on this show. All right, let me think about that. Something interesting to talk about might be premium mobile games. I think that they're they're basically gone, but the the remnants of that is interesting to talk about, and the the way that that sort of slots in with apple arcade and stuff i think that's kind of there's some intriguing things to speak about in the in the mobile space that we could talk about a little bit more you mean i can't change collective consciousness with my uh iphone game about flinging some sausages in 2022 maybe you can you can try okay you can try okay. i'm not gonna tell you what sausage you can't do. i think that when uh when uh tim's back it uh, we could talk more about free-to-play games and mechanics i would like that I I secretly, quietly have played a bunch of those for very long periods of time. Um, if you if you slapped Clash Royale down in front of me, I could still win a battle years later if I wanted to. Oh yeah, for me, I mean, like I'm obviously only a guest, but um, and and part of this is just 
contingent on anyone's interest in it but you know i do follow like a lot of uh experimental fringe like art game stuff yeah. just by virtue of jurying festivals and stuff and a lot of that stuff doesn't have a big audience at all so i mean it's something i certainly like you know to get more uh exposure or something i don't know if there's like a huge crowd clamoring for it but i mean it's the same way with which is probably more popular is like you know i followed doom modding for years um and you know like or quake modding or things like that those are some pretty interesting scenes of course there's plenty like there are people covering that stuff so it's not like you necessarily come here for that but yeah i i guess i would say like modding scenes and stuff that is on the fringes like the or like the the haunted ps1 type stuff you know mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. something where i can't talk about genesis games is is what i think is important <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like that that's that's really good stuff and, and I don't know, I it it's similar to where my brain was going, which is that um I think I'd like to be challenged a little more to like have to get out of my comfort zone. It's kind of the opposite of what you're asking. But you know, li- like the stuff Liz is talking about is not something I interact with very often, but you know, maybe much in the same way that we had to just uh hear this uh horrible sound and, and comment on it. You know, maybe there's some sense of like Hey, let me expose you really quick to this thing that probably none, none of you guys know about, and then let's talk about it. Might be an interesting uh, approach to what we're doing. Another one that that came to mind for me was that I don't know, like we're pretty smart people, even though sure. you know we 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 even though blank. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what the blank is. Despite the evidence, <laughs> yeah. D- despite and, our apparent lack of success, we're very smart people. And and this might be more on us than you, Jaffe, but maybe more um kind of serious thinking about how to do things differently in general like you know how would you actually make a successful mobile game you know stuff like that yeah um just going back to to brandon's question like actually putting our heads together i was gonna say something similar ish where we could talk about aspects of our jobs more that people might be interested in like what what are important aspects of directing a video game and it depends on the video game and we'd have a lot to say about it but like what what's that about what what is what is production what is a, what is a good producer do how can you maintain solid art direction across a project etc uh those those things i think might possibly be interesting to the audience and might be interesting for us oh, to yeah. talk about i don't know if this question is interesting to the audience though because it's just <laughs> us being like what about this it's a preview i think the most important thing is for this podcast to get more parasocial i think that is yes clearly what's going to be the success in so. fact go to forums.insertcredit.com and tell us what you want us to talk about and uh, I guess that's what the dirtbag is already for. So strike that, subscribe to patreon.com slash insert credit, and submit your topics that way. Nice. Uh, it's time for us to go into our lightning round. This week, I'm going to give you the names of 10 episodes of insert credit from before our multi-year hiatus. And you have to guess what we talked about on them. <laughs> I don't remember what happened either, so points will not be awarded based on accuracy. Very good. Your first episode is Shagargamel. 
Uh, we were talking about uh, shagagamer.com. And uh, oh, yeah, Shagagamer right. uh, was, was how we chose to pronounce uh, Shagagamer. Every, every single episode, my answer is going to be, oh, the one time that Tim asked me if I wanted to be the, on this podcast in 2015, and then I was like, oh, yeah, sure, and then never responded to him. So <laughs> Rude. <laughs> I completely forgot about it, but that's every single episode for me. All right, episode two. Games to top Games tops. That was uh, well. We definitely in that section were talking about, about Stop, the probably. confusion between GameStop and GameSpot, and how at that point it was like ten years later. I still get them confused, and guess what? It's now twenty years later, or whatever, and I still do. Uh, I still say mm-hmm. sometimes oh. GameStop when I mean GameSpot, and uh, and the reverse because I was about to say it the exact same way. Well, I was gonna say that I don't get them confused anymore because I don't think about either of them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Relics of the past. Yeah, but what if what if it came up? What if you it's what if we were talking about the GameStop stock? I I actually think that because GameStop became its own weird stock thing, that it it, it might have finally cemented it in my brain. Oh, wow. for me. I think yeah. But we you know what, Jaffe, that that that's a suggestion for the next two hundred fifty episodes. Uh, uh, try to get us to say the wrong one. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, I might try that. I used to get uh, GameStop confused. Sorry, GameSpot. See, I already confused. <laughs> GameSpot confused with GameSpy, which doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. But GameSpy was like the. I really confused those. Two. And I got really confused when GameSpy became a middleware provider uh, and not <laughs> a website anymore. Um, oh, another thing about Games to Patopt was that I believe after that episode. I registered gamesdipatopt.com on the internet, and I owned it for like 10 years before letting it go. Good for you. I'm proud of you. Our next episode is Grim Fans Dango. (laughs) Well, I I believe that um, likely Brandon was talking about his subscription to Fandango. um, Yeah. (laughs) Because that's a thing that he did a lot. All the way back then. Yeah. Um... But, uh, oh, wait, this is actually episode three? Like, is it just the first ten? Uh, no, these are from the first batch of episodes before the hiatus. From the first batch. So, yeah, Fandango didn't it didn't exist in my lexicon at that uh, time. Ah, okay. It was probably actually just about Grim Fandango. Well, what, okay, say what it was again. Grim Fans Dango. Well, I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, we were talking about Grim Fandango, but that's not a funny answer. Um, but it does make me think about how sad it is that... Uh, People were so mean to Ron Gilbert about the new art direction of uh, Monkey Island that he was like, I'm closing down my blog. The joy of sharing has been taken from me. Yeah, that's right. That is is what he said, and that that will stick with me forever. It's so sad. And I really don't like the art, but it sucks that people were so vitriolic about it. They felt like they had to harass the guy. Like, I, I looked at it, and I was like, okay, this isn't for me, but that's fine. Like, I don't care that it's yeah. not for me. You know, you just it's... don't buy the game. Yeah. It's... I'm, I'm sorry I slandered him by uh, suggesting in this very episode that he tells boring stories that go nowhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's actually very funny. Yeah. yeah the, the joy of sharing is now gone because, uh, because you did that, Liz. I'm sorry. Video games' greatest mystery. Ooh, I like that. I don't know. I want to know what I do is. not remember this did one. We, did we Clearly crack the it's, uh I don't know. It's oh, yeah. Liz, Liz seems to remember this. Which yeah, one was it? Uh, I was just going to say Luigi and Super Mario 64 or something like that. But that's oh, not very yeah. funny. Sure. 
people sure. think that, that has it. been solved, but it has not. It the existence of a model proves nothing. <laughs> L is real, whatever whatever else is in the Super Mario 64 hauntology community. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what it we was. Snuck, we snuck that into the game IDAR, but there's a, it says that somewhere. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 25% hog. So we weren't going whole hog, we were going a, per- a percentage of hog. <laughs> Is what is happening. I bet that probably was the joke. Yeah. I bet that was actually the joke. For sure. Were you all just exhausted and like kind of falling asleep during the episode? So you're like always. Just... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was probably That's about a safe bet. some some game not making it all the way, and they were and like it didn't, they didn't go whole hog, and then half hog, and then twenty five percent hog, and then that's what that's what happened. I guarantee it. Credence Clearwater Saga. <laughs> <laughs> It's an RPG with songs from CCR. As it should well, you be. play as them. You you recruit the band. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, it's like Revolution X. They're from El Cerrito, I think. Right? Yeah, something like that. There's an RPG map, you know, connecting the towns. There's El Cerrito and, and Albany and Emeryville. <laughs> can't, and <Oakland>. can't. <laughs> yeah. The se- the second half of the game is preventing the former members of CCR from s- trying to sue each other. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Well, it's the second act, right? Yeah, yeah second and act. The third act is like the reunion tour or whatever. Yeah, yeah, which we'll never actually have. Yeah, just just at the Alameda County Fairgrounds. It's just various fairgrounds <laughs> dur- during boring events. Yeah, I love this. <laughs> they get back together, and that's all they can book. That's right. <laughs> Fire, water, and quiet revenge. Wow. I don't remember that at all. I mean, these are a few of my favorite things. Uh, all the, all the classical elements. You have fire, water, and yeah. Quiet revenge. Quiet revenge. Fire and, those, those and all... water and classic revenge. <laughs> thank you. That's thank right. you for, thank for you. picking that up on that. That's, yeah. that's what we were doing. No more Chiros. <laughs> no more Chiros? Yeah. Uh, not Chivos. Okay. Um, Clearly no more heroes was involved. Have I have I mentioned how um how how often Suda messes with me in person? No, I suddenly remembered what this episode is about. Uh no more Chiros was a nickname that probably Tim, honestly, uh, yes. came up with for Lollipop Chainsaw. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 that's it. That's gotta be it. Yeah. Episode nine on this list. Did I say go-go? No, you didn't. You didn't. I guess it would be fun if it was about Space Channel 5. No, it's not about Space Channel 5. I do remember this one. No, of course it's not, but it would be fun if it were. No points for accuracy, <laughs> I, so I'm just uh, saying what I'd That's like. true. That's true. This one was the one where I tried to make you all list all 14 party members from Final Fantasy VI for memory. Oh. Yeah. Goku is a character. I don't know the answer to that because I haven't played that in 20 years. The end. Uh, Well, when I asked it, you probably hadn't played it in 10 years. Yeah, and I bet I knew like two names then. I was probably like a uh, cloud. I could name probably like half of them. All right, <laughs> I I want you to name seven Final Fantasy VI party members right now, Liz. Okay, uh, Setzer. Uh, we got Locke. We got Terra or Tina. Uh, we got uh, what is what is uh, blonde? Uh, Sailies, uh Realm. We got uh, uh, fuck. We got the brother Edgar and uh, Sabin. I think you're that's at seven. seven. Yeah, that's seven. Nice. Yeah. Is Shadow one? Is that? Shadow, Shadow is yeah, one, yes. Shadow. Nice. Got one. And finally, Multivarious Ravioli. <laughs> Ooh. It's very mathematical. Yeah, I don't know if I want to eat that. No. 
Is that like a description? I'm I'm imagining because Tim was had his whole like sticky friction mode, you know, where he used that phrase a bunch. I imagine multivarious ravioli being a similar thing, like describing how a game feels. Like it's there's a bunch of different things, but it also has kind of a a, a, a texture of ravioli or something. Like, yeah, I, can I see imagine. It. Actually, this was our fighting game episode that we did with Patrick oh. Miller. Oh. Weird. Hard to find because the title doesn't describe it. But if you're looking for that fighting game episode, that's the one. Very good. Brandon, I think you're our winner this week. Congratulations. Woo, spring break. Haha, <laughs> good job, Brandon. You have to come up with a question for our 251st episode. I'll tell you all right now for our 256th episode, we're going to be doing the best arcade games of all time list. Because it's been a while since Ooh. we did a list episode. I look forward to hearing that. That's going to be fun. So we'll make to sure to bring research. your favorites and we'll do a. Draft-style pick. Going to be a grand old time. Yeah, if Revolution X isn't on there, then I'm going to use music as a weapon against you. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. All right. Uh, Who's got recommendations? I have some. Here they are. If you're washing your car, you should wash it from top to bottom. I know that's common common knowledge, and and everybody knows you're supposed to do it. But sometimes you might be tempted to not do it that way for various reasons. Like, I don't know, your car is parked on the street, and you don't want to stay on the street side too long. But if you don't do that... If you start with a lower part and then you wash an upper part, then all the dirty water trickles down and you have to wipe it off again. It's annoying. So um, I just wash my car. (laughs) That's one recommendation. Another is a very quick recommendation to watch the the movie Prey in Comanche. This was a recommendation from a while ago that I just didn't get to mention. Just because there's a movie that's got a Comanche dub and that's cool and uh, you'll never get to see that otherwise. So... Uh, watch it. And also, who knows, maybe more movies will do it uh, if that's popular. Then the last recommendation is the movie Winter Beast. Uh, This is one of the most, it's one of those movies that is someone's first movie and extremely, extremely obviously their first movie. And it's so amateurish and so poorly put together that it winds up being compelling. But it also has stop motion animation from the guy that did all those like claymation MTV logo bumpers back in the old days they were they're all gross and weird and so you get you get these scenes of like various creatures that were made completely independently from the rest of the movie killing characters you've never seen before like there'll be someone somebody in a cabin screaming and then there's this claymation beast that then like reaches into the building and pulls out a claymation character that explodes in red blood and it it just looks so fake but it's so compelling and weird and the main character's mustache changes size shape and volume like shot to shot sometimes it's his actual mustache uh which is very small and sometimes it's like this huge push broom thing it's it's hilarious and there were a couple scenes that were shot on different film stock or like six years prior to the rest of it and everyone's got different hair and it's just intercut with the rest of, like or the rest of a scene it's really bad, but in a in a way that's pretty compelling. And there, you can see it on Shutter, and there's also a Blu-ray which I have not uh, purchased, but I'm a little tempted because I want it. It's one of those movies where it's 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 boring, but also compelling. But the main thing is you want to know how did they wind up doing this? What 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 happened? What were the events that led to the creation of this movie called Winter Beast? Uh, oh, also, it has a lot of like bad. Native American stereotype stuff and some homophobia and whatever the usual 90s garbage. Uh, so just be aware of that before you watch it. But um, there you go. That's everything I have. 
Um, I guess my recommendation is is maybe a little too specific, but uh, if you're someone like me who likes to, uh, I call it like channel surf old games, you know, like put in a flashcard and, and just kind of look for weird stuff. Um, don't forget to uh, play the stuff that actually was, you know, popular and good that you didn't play already. Um, that's a thing I can easily forget. And I remembered that um, I remembered it by... Uh, surfing on the the original Game Boy and uh, playing the Gradius game, which I just somehow never played. And it's like, oh, this is great. And that's all I played for like three days. And uh, instead of playing like weird licensed platformers or whatever, um, just play some good stuff. Sometimes good popular stuff is uh, good and popular on purpose. And uh, if you didn't play something from 30 years ago, it's good and popular. Maybe, maybe, maybe do that. Yeah, it's a good one. But no one wants to play jackal for any jackal is my like <laughs> is my shortcut for like a generically good uh nes game it's pretty good i want to play jackal it's pretty good yeah I'm, I'm actually looking forward to doing that whenever i figure out whenever i put roms on a cartridge for my super nintendo i'm gonna okay. i'm gonna play i'm gonna play popular games as well as the weirdo games like the first yeah. thing i want to do is like play hagane or psychic dreams or whatever but mm-hmm. I'll also play F-Zero. Yeah, exactly, is... right? Like, I've never really, really played F-Zero. F-Zero yeah. is great. Oh, I, For I a love... couple hours, I'd probably have a great time. Yeah. Right. I love F-Zero. So my recommendations are... So I went to this uh, event in New York City called Electronicon 3, which is actually <laughs> the Vaporwave Music Festival. Ooh. Nice. It, it sounds like a fictional event. Yeah, no, it's it's very much real. And in X Files episode, that's what they go to. <laughs> Vaporwave is no longer an online joke. There were like four thousand people there, so. But the, there's this. I mentioned them before. This artist, Death's Dynamic Shroud, uh, who I met in person for the first time. But they're releasing a new album in a month uh, called Dark Life. So I recommend that. Um, and then the other thing I recommend is. Um, the George A. Romero movie, Season of the Witch. Uh, it's also referred to as Hungry Wives. It was like uh, George Romero's attempt at like a feminist movie, but it was like marketed as a softcore movie. It's a little strange, but I think it's like cut down from the original version, but you can find it on like Tubi. Tubi is the greatest streaming site. Also a great video game protagonist. It's on Shudder also. Okay. But yeah, it's a surprisingly good. To be honest, I only wa- watched the movie because uh, Boards of Canada like sampled it for uh, a couple of times. Uh, well, speaking of which, um, I did a Boards of Canada episode for my podcast, Kitchfork, uh, which I started, I think, after the last time I was on here. Um, it's a music podcast. Uh, so yeah, it's Kitchfork. Uh, it's kitchfork pod there'll be a link or uh, i'll make them put a link for it but if you're into like indie music and music of the 2000s in general like especially we talk we're talking about that stuff me and my co-host so yeah i've got some recommendations here they are i would like to recommend that if you're listening to this show in some format where you can subscribe to or review podcasts that you engage with us in that way to help out the algorithm even after 250 episodes we'd sure like to find a bigger audience you can also go to patreon.com slash insert credit where you could become a patron to submit your own topics listen to monthly bonus episodes and get other exclusive content you can also join our community at forums.insertcredit.com or follow us on twitter at insert credit or search for insert credit on youtube this show is edited by esper quinn with music by kurt feldman 
I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Frank Cifaldi. I'm Brandon Sheffield. And I'm Liz Ryerson. And get yourself a hot dog, <laughs> Mr. J. <laughs> All right, that was 250. Good job, everybody. I was thinking about, you know, during the question with the, the old titles, it's, I, I find that everything in my life, it's like, I remember the first few and then nothing after that, if it's something I've done a lot. So like the first few articles that I wrote that were published, you know, the first game that I produced and, and just, you know, I can very clearly remember Chicago Mare, <laughs> but I don't, but I don't remember any episode after that for the most part.